The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Companies are warning the government that premiums are expected to increase significantly due to climate change. I'm joined on the line now by Peter Boland, who's director with the Alliance for Insurance Reform. Uh, good morning, Peter. Good morning, Pat. What do you make of this particular warning from the insurance industry? Well, it's to be expected to the extent that this has been warned about globally. Uh, and in fact, in England and Wales, they've reacted to it already by setting up a, an organisation called Flood RE, which uh, addresses this specific issue. So it's, it's, it's separate from all of the challenges uh, that we have discussed previously on mm. insurance in Ireland, the ones that often make yeah. insurance either unaffordable or unavailable. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about those issue. in a moment. But first of all, if there is an increased risk of flooding and uh, current flood prediction models may now be inaccurate given uh, the climate change and the more storms and all the rest of it, it might make some properties literally uninsurable uh, if they are at a you know, 95% risk of being flooded. Um, however, other properties that might have a 50% or 25% risk of being flooded would face increased premiums, that, although they could continue to be insured. Yes, and uh, so the government in the UK have established a, a joint venture between themselves and the insurance industry. And essentially what it does is it takes all the risk out of a household policy that's to do with flooding and flood RE covers that. Uh, and that leaves the insurers in a position where they can offer a commercial policy uh, that covers all the other normal risks that a, a, a householder might face. Okay, so and is this insurance RE, um, that doesn't uh, cost the householder a premium, does it? It's just the general exchequer will pay for uh, the flood, is that it? No, in the case of flood RE, it's covered through a levy. Uh, which is put across all householders. Now, clearly, levies are, uh, have a, a checkered history in this country and are not at all popular. Um, so how government would fund it, uh, is, it has not been discussed yet. Uh, I think government are starting from uh, ground zero on this issue. It hasn't been addressed. Uh, and uh, so they'll have to figure out a way of making sure that it's funded in a way that is equitable. Uh, but uh, as this stands in the UK, uh, they use a levy which they uh, put across all household policies. OK, and, and that makes sense. It's a bit like a, a community rating. Uh, not everyone who has health insurance is going to get sick. But, uh, you know, everyone uh, pays the same premium for the same policy irrespective of their own particular uh, circumstances. So this is kind of akin to that. Everyone plays a little bit so that those at greatest risk don't suffer unduly. Precisely. Yeah, so that, yes. that seems like a sensible thing to do. We have not done that yet. No, that's right. And, and in fact, we're, we're very slow about reacting uh, to a whole swathe of sectors that can no longer get cover. So uh, we have, because of our own specific issues in Ireland, plenty of other sectors that simply cannot get cover now. So a related one in that it's household insurance would be thatched cottages, uh, which are uh, really struggling to get cover, particularly um, for someone who's trying to buy a thatched cottage. Uh, we've also, as we've talked about before, got the likes of certain adventure centres, sectors in the arts and cultural and community sectors. And so 
government needs to put together a coherent response to all of these because the reality is that because of the way that insurers now analyze risk, uh, there are going to be sectors in the long term that simply cannot get cover anymore. And so it's up to government to decide, do we want those householders who live on floodplains to get cover? Do we want the owners of thatched cottages to get cover when clearly they're recognized as an important part of our built heritage? Uh, Do we want the adventure sector uh, to thrive, given that it has been identified as one of the major growth sectors in the Irish tourism industry? So these are choices that the government is going to have to face up to and put a fix in place. Now, at thatched cottages, we are not unique in this country in having uh, thatched cottages. So do you know how they handle it in other parts of these islands where thatch is also a feature? Yes, they they cover it in general insurance and they seem to be able to get, for example, in Northern Ireland, uh, a a new build thatched cottage will get cover for about €700. In the Republic... Uh, it is very unlikely that they'll, that they'll get a quote. And where they will, it will be 1% of the value of the house. So say a thatched cottage is going to cost north of 300000 uh, to build. You're talking about 3000 a year where you can get cover. Um, right. And that is not sustainable. And, um, and what about the actuarial risk of a thatched ha- cottage going on fire? I mean, the same risk would apply equally in Northern Ireland, one would presume. So is it that the Irish actuaries have in their mind's eye those, um, you know, th- those engravings of the peelers coming along and setting fire to the thatch as people were evicted by the evil landlord? Is, is that sort of ingrained in the Irish actuarial conscience? I think their thinking has probably moved on from that, Pat, but the reality <laughs> but is... Some, it must be something like that, because if in Northern Ireland, same weather conditions, same everything but much cheaper premium. Well, here's the shocker. Um, and it applies to thatched cottages, it applies to adventure centres, it applies to uh, the arts and cultural sector. We are safe to an extent which is often often raises eyebrows in Europe. We take health and safety extremely seriously in this country, as we should. Uh, but to an extent which is driven by our dysfunctional insurance industry. Uh, and so most recently we had a, a, a case where uh, the president of the European uh, um, representative body for adventure employers said that insurance is only an issue in Ireland. It is not an issue anywhere else. Yeah. And the, that He said that this is a guy called Jean-Yves Laperriere, and he says... The issue of having to stop trading because the insurance is too expensive is exclusive to Ireland. So Precisely. What the and hell is going on here? Well, look, we've, we've gone through many times the specific issues in Ireland in terms of the cost of claims, in terms of insurance fraud, uh, in terms of oversight by government and the central bank. Um, and they have been well exercised at this stage. But the reality is uh, that insurers are picking and choosing to an extent that they have never done before. So whereas adventure centres might have been part of a much broader tourism and hospitality pool when their risk was being assessed previously, they're now expected to wash their own face as a unique sector. Uh, and that makes it less attractive from an insurance mm. point of view. The same would apply to thatched cottages, 
for example, they were part of the the, the broad housing market many years ago and were insured accordingly. Uh, but nowadays, they're expected to wash their own face. And in a country the size of and Ireland... Who, who decided that? Well, it appears to be insurers. It has never been announced as a policy, but we've seen it being uh, we've seen it being applauded by reinsurers in particular. And and so this is the use of big data in a way which we would suggest uh, might be very useful in Germany or the UK, uh, but is very harmful here because it's drilling down to tiny sectors in Ireland. Uh, which have become uninsurable. But mm-hmm. look, at insurers will argue that they have to make a profit uh, and it's government's role to look at this development and see, yeah. OK, I mean, do we want is, those Is it to, to do with uh, the fact that someone goes to an adventure centre and they do something and they come to some harm? And basically, if you sign up to do something in an adventure centre, expect it to be adventurous and hazardous. But it appears that people do not expect their adventure activities to be in any way hazardous. And if they trip and fall, they scream, show me the lawyer. I mean, that's crazy stuff. If you go to an adventure centre, expect that there are hazards which may inflict injury upon you if you're not careful yourself. So there are two specific issues there. The first is that the Irish Adventure Centre is acknowledged as being uh, leaders in the area of health and safety and risk management. They are very well regarded at a European level in terms of the way that they manage the risk. Um, But that has not helped them in terms of their insurance cost. The other issue, and you've put your finger on it, is the voluntary assumption of risk. This is uh, something that has never existed as a legal principle in Ireland. Uh, It's built into draft legislation, uh, which made its way through the doll over the last few months. But it seems to have uh, lost a bit of momentum in the Shannon. And we need Minister Harris, who's been uh, shepherding this legislation for the last few months to make sure that it gets Mm. through on schedule as quickly as possible, because that is a critical piece in the jigsaw in terms of all Irish organisations. It's a very interesting text here. Uh, A lot of the insurance paid out would be for people who are watching the people taking part not uh, people actually taking part. For example, it says a parent or grandparent may fall or get hit by something in the centre, even though they're not taking part in the activity. I mean, that sounds like scamming too, doesn't it? I mean, watch yourself. You're in an adventure centre. Things are likely to fly this way and that. You know, come on. It, it, it is extraordinary, and 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 that would certainly seem to be the experience of many of our members. That it's 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 very often the onlookers who who get injured, and in a case like that, whatever about the legislation, the courts over the last couple of decades seem to have evolved a situation where an organisation is absolutely responsible for anybody on the premises, regardless of the right or wrong of the situation and uh, the extent to which they looked after their own safety. So. The draft legislation, which, like I say, seems to have slowed down in pace over the last while, uh, is expected to address that. But ultimately, it would be up to the judiciary to make sure that they respect uh, the legislation in the way that it's implemented. There has been a wind of change blowing through some of the courts where judges throw things out and say, you know, your man's a chancellor or whatever. Now, I've never understood why there isn't a follow-up prosecution by the guards if someone misrepresents uh, something in court and it's thrown out by a judge. Therefore, it means that someone is lying uh, to a court, but maybe perjury is a difficult uh, kind of thing. But it does seem that there is a recognition by judges 
that maybe some of their number were being codded up to the eyeballs in years past. Certainly the narrative over the last number of uh, years seems to be that certain judges take this issue very seriously. Um, I I guess one of the frustrations of our members uh, is that it's not consistent. Uh, and that the legislation isn't Im- uh, imposed in a in a consistent way, uh, and that when you while you will see headlines involving very sensible decisions by specific judges, uh, you will often see others which hold an occupier liable in in a in a situation where you'd end up scratching your head and wondering how that can be. So there's no consistency there, and this is something that insurers come back to us regularly on that. It's not even the level of awards that are handed out historically. It's the lack of consistency in the courts. And this clearly needs to be addressed by the Judicial Council. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, the impression that judges don't live in the real world, but judges have children and grandchildren who probably go to adventure centres. You know, you'd like to think that they know uh, what is going on and make sensible uh, decisions, but uh, they do need, I suppose, guidelines uh, laid down for them. Uh, some of the texts coming in, what part of rip-off nation do people not understand? Another one. Uh, I have a van and car insurances by a well-known insurance company. The cost of insurance has gone up on both. Ironically, I had an accident on my bike and the car which hit me was insured by the same company, but I'm advised that my claim will be considerably reduced in order to bring down the price of insurance. Explain that conundrum. Well, you know, the rules um, are the new rules. They've laid down their book of quantum and uh, that's what you'll get. Um, I can only get one insurance company to insure my house here in Ennis because I'm in a risk zone according to their maps. But my house is never flooded. Built in 2003, so that's 20 years of flood-free living. I have to pay €47 a month. Then they send me a letter saying that doesn't cover the cost of rebuilding my house as it's gone up in value. They were asking me to pay more. Uh, Never heard the like of it. Well, if you do add to the value of your house and you tell them about it, and if you don't, by the way, you'll be underinsured and you'll only get a fraction of the amount uh, that you might be claiming if you're underinsured. But if the value has gone up, well, you might be better off paying the extra premium so that in the event of a disaster, fire or flood or whatever, you get the full amount so that you can afford to rebuild. In the Netherlands, you insure yourself for personal injury with your PRSI. You're responsible, not the venue. Same with cars. The car is insured, not the driver. Anyone can drive a car regardless of who insured it. Ireland has it backwards. Uh, and, you know, if everyone was insured uh, themselves on their own policy so that if you get a tip and someone runs into you, your policy pays for it and his policy pays for his damage um, imagine all the lawyers that would be out of business. That's number one. But number two, you know, someone's going to pay for the damage, some insurance company one way or the other. Does it really matter which party pays as long as the idea of no claims bonuses go out the window and you just pay a flat fee for your insurance? But that maybe is thinking too much outside the box. Look, Peter, very interesting stuff. Thank you very much for joining us. Peter Boland, Director of the Alliance for Insurance Reform. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.